I think he can. He's a little more physical than a Jake Forrester. Obviously, he's a, a little bit bigger, at least uh, weight wise, and he's put on a weight since he's been at IU. So have I. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> they the, they put on the good kind of freshman fifteen. Me, not so much. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Indiana Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. My name is Ben Portnoy alongside Cameron Drummond and Murphy Wheeler. Guys, what's going on? Um, it's rainy today, but I'm really happy to be nice and warm inside podcast studio number eight talking IU basketball with you guys. Any podcast we've ever done, Cam has said studio podcast number eight or the whatever. The people need to know where we are. But uh, here's the though. thing, it's studio eight, but like, are there more? Than, are there actually eight studios? I don't think so. No way. Is it just like a branding no thing? Way. Like Studio 8? Like that's the name? Yeah, this is like 30 Rock. Well, 30 is Rock? Is 30 Rock like an actual address That's though? an address. 30 Rock's a real address. Like 30 Rock, Rockefeller Plaza. My lack of visiting places is seeming to haunt me. Hey, already, already off to a great New story. York, New York, New York. Is Indiana <laughs> going to the pinstripe pole? We'll save that for another time. But uh, I don't want to go to Detroit, please no. Anyway, guys, we are here to talk IU basketball. It's our first pod of the season. Excited for a good one. Uh, we've got a... Nice, nice contingent of Hoosiers coming back. It looks like it's going to be a fun season. Um, let's talk early impressions. Cam, you want to open it up? Yeah, sure. So obviously, last year not like the best opening season for Archie Miller and company for him to be, you know, his first season as Indiana coach. I mean, some that's to be expected though. I mean, you can kind of talk about it being, I don't know, kind of like a honeymoon period. But he gets like a year or two of grace, right? And so that first year was going to be whatever happened. He's not, you know, obviously in the hot seat or anything like that. But of course, this off season you get the addition of so many new freshmen. Obviously, everyone knows Romeo Langford, Jake Forrester, Rob Finnessy, the list goes on and on, Jerome Hunter, Demezi Anderson. So you have so many new pieces coming into this team. And you don't really lose a ton from last year. I mean, you lose, like, some brand names, you know, like, you know, the guys like Robert Johnson and people who aren't going to be coming back from the team. But people have just seemed to be really excited. A lot of, you know, excitement in the talking points around these freshmen. We've already seen Romeo Langford get some love in the Big Ten preseason, you know, all Big Ten team, stuff like that. Some national hype around him as well. I think one person even voted him for, like, National Player of the Year or something like that. Got named to the Jerry West Award watch list, too, right. for what that's worth. Him and Jawan Morgan, obviously, have been kind of, like, leading the lines in terms of preseason accolades for the Indiana men's basketball team. So, from that standpoint, I think that, you know, got a lot of new faces. It's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate these new players into the team, how much playing time each of these guys gets. But just interesting to see how everyone kind of meshes together and assimilates into this team this season. Right. Thanks for stealing the the honeymoon period. Look, that column hasn't dropped yet. The people don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Honeymoon period. I like gr- I like grace period. Is a good. I good was gonna period. say grace period, but I had to steal Murphy's thunder at least once. Yeah, so far. absolutely. He's already done it. Thank you for stealing my phrase there. But anyway, yes, <laughs> uh, I do agree. There are a lot of. There's a nice mix of veterans and young guys. Obviously, that's kind of the big thing coming in. There's a lot of depth this year. Well, it looks like there could be a lot of depth this year, um, if those young guys kind of develop the way they should, or people are expecting them to. Um, but one thing I will say is don't put a lot of stock into these young guys just yet. You know, I mean, obviously Romeo Langford's going to play a lot right from the start. He's going to be probably the first or second option offensively for them, depending on how they're going to divvy it up between him and Jawan Morgan. Um, but other than that, you got to give these guys some time. you got to let these veterans take over first, let those young guys come off the bench early on, kind of learn from these guys. I don't think guys like Robert Fennessey, uh, Jerome Hunter, some of these guys are going to step in right away, take starting spots or anything like that. Um, and I think a lot of people maybe are expecting that of them. But I don't think it's going to be like that just yet. I think you're going to have to give those veterans a chance 
Um, I think we're going to see a lot of those guys in the starting lineup, guys like Devontae Green, Justin Smith, maybe a Deron Davis, uh, Zach McRoberts is back, those kind of guys um, that have had the experience and they could be the they they're going to be the focal points from the start. Now, could that change down the season? You know, as we go along in the season, maybe someone gets passed up. That could very well happen. Um, but that's definitely something you should expect from the start. Yeah, you guys mentioned an interesting mix of veterans and you know freshmen. Obviously, I mean, I think the thing that sticks out for most to me is just that. I mean, this is a team that, frankly. I could see this team going 14 guys deep. I mean, yeah. there's there's actually that many guys on this yeah. team who could play minutes and play like significant minutes right. at least to some degree. Um, even even to that, I think someone you mentioned, Murphy, that really intrigues me is uh, Justin Smith. I mean, obviously Absolutely. he was a kind of high flying, athletic freshman, uh, had some big games, but um, he's a guy that I think Archie's really going to lean. Archie Miller's going to really going to lean on this year um, to take that next step. I mean, we all know the potential he has. I mean, the dude can absolutely jump out of the gym. I mean, he's as good an athlete as Indiana's had in the last couple of years. You know, since a Troy Troy Williams or something like that. Um, so he's someone that I had definitely looked to to see. I, I I kind of expect to see him in sort of that you know twelve rebound twelve point six rebound type averages in there. Um, he'll bring some depth to the some much needed needed physicality to the front right. court. Assuming uh, Duran Davis isn't necessarily uh, his himself just off the bat. Obviously, we'll get into uh, get into his status maybe a little later. But guys, just looking at this roster, I mean, do you feel like it's I mean, I, the thing that sticks out to me is I'm just curious. I think the thing that not necessarily worries me, but that I just look at on the surface is how is Archie going to manage all these guys? I mean, he's literally yeah. got he could the combinations are literally endless. And he talked about it at Big Ten Media Day a couple of weeks ago. But I, I, that's just something that really sticks out. I, how do you manage that many different lineup combinations? Because really, he can go big, small, left, right. <laughs> Northeast, southwest, like <laughs> there's so many ways that he can go with this roster. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, like I mean, just looking at the roster, you talk about them going, I think, like 14 deep or something like that. I mean, I'm just gonna cast away, like no offense, saying, I'm just gonna cast away a couple of people right off the bat. VJ Blackman, I'm just not gonna worry about him get, rotating in and getting any significant minutes. Sure. Same thing with uh, Johnny Yeager, sorry, and Quentin Taylor, not gonna happen. So let's say cast those three guys aside. Everyone else on this roster could get minutes and significant playing minutes. And someone like, you know, you look, you know, even the bottom of the roster, number 55. Evan Fitzner. He's a guy who could come in, maybe play something like what between five to ten minutes a game, but it's the minutes and it's the spots in which you choose to utilize him, especially as someone who's going to be maybe the specialized three point shooting weapon for this team. Evan Fitzner's the guy that in ten games, three of those he's going to be huge for him. He's going to hit like three or four threes and he's going to come off the bench. He's going to get some big minutes. He can be a difference maker in terms of actually giving you a W or an L in the record. But don't expect like seven of those games to be like that. It's going to be around three or four. That's what I imagine at least. And the way I see him fitting into this, and it's not like He's not going to be a six man in the same way that like a Max Bielfeld was no, a couple no, of years no, ago. He's, he's going to be more like that seventh, eighth, ninth guy, but he's going to come in in spots. He's going to, he's as good a shooter as Indiana has on this team, despite the fact that he's six yeah. ten. Um, I mean, he really can shoot the lights out, and I think that's kind of what um, that's obviously what Archie Miller brought him in for. I mean, this is a team that it's got scorers, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Romeo Langford, Juwan Morgan, they can shoot from deep, but they don't have kind of that sharp shooting type guy um, from the from the wing, and I think that's really what Fitzner gives you. And I think he gives you some versatility inside. I know Archie's, Archie Miller was saying it at media day that was something that he sometimes gets knocked for is his post game, but he's got that he's he's got a real post game and that he can play down low if he needs to. He's not as you know, he's not a Duran Davis, he's not, you know, six eleven, right. you know, two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty pounds, but um he's he's a big guy and he I, I think he get he has a he has a little more potential inside than I think 
maybe people on the surface realize. The comparison to Max Bielfeld's kind of interesting just because, you know, obviously they're two graduate transfers right. that kind of come over. Um, you're expecting them to play a big role off the bench. I, I think what the difference is between those two guys is the defensive limitations of sure. Fitzner. Yeah. Um, I don't te- technically think necessarily he's going to be a threat defensively down low. I think he has a post game offensively, sure. but down low off defensively. I just don't know if it's going to be a, a big thing for him. Yeah, because all, all we've really seen him so far in like live game action has been what the you know, twelve minute scrimmage in Hoosier hysteria. Where he, he had, <laughs> for what that's worth, he had right. some, like, <laughs> it's worth nothing. Granted, he had some nice close downs, and you could see like how much of a big frame he is. You know, just getting that arm up, getting the, getting the hand in the way of a shooter. But yes, it is a twelve minute Hoosier hysteria scrimmage that we should in we no should way not shape take or that form. seriously at all. But uh, but I think too, like I think he's a guy who if you're looking at offense if you run maybe a smaller lineup yeah he's 6'10 but at the same time he's athletic enough to run the floor and stretch the floor and I think that's kind of I'll be curious to see how Archie fits him into the rotation because I think that there's a there's a real argument to be made that you could run him uh, yes he's listed as a forward but you could really run him as kind of a center um, and spread it out sort of a small ball type lineup around him and you know even he can stretch the floor you know come out of the post off a pick and roll pick and pop type type situation I think that's kind of where I see him fitting in right in talking with him at Indiana uh, media day I think this was like towards the end of September maybe early October he was yeah. talking about how he like has confidence in his ball handling ability he thinks he can you know I mean not saying he's like Rajon Rondo or anyone but he thinks he can you know put the ball on the ground and has confidence in his ability to actually dribble and not just be you know kind of a statue with the basketball Rajon Rondo's an interesting person be the first one you go to. I mean, I'm just fine. Th- I'm just thinking of. <laughs> look, what do you want me to say? I I really don't know. I was gonna say like JJ Barea or anyone. I'm just oh, listing wow. former Maverick point guards at this Yikes. point. Well, I will say though with Fitzner, <laughs> I think what really he could fit into is those small ball lineups, and I think you brought up Justin Smith earlier. I think he could be a big part of those small ball lineups as well. I think that's the best lineup they have mm-hmm. when you're looking at it, and that's why I think maybe we'll see some guys like Deron Davis. Uh, get a few less minutes this year Especially than he has in the past. Especially on how he recovers from his injury. Right, yeah. he's coming off an injury. But I think just the way they're kind of shifting this roster to, this kind of small ball lineups that they could play, I think he is going to be one of those guys that maybe sees a little less time. Maybe Clifton Moore doesn't get as many minutes this year just because he's still developing. He kind of doesn't really fit into that as well. What do you kind of do with Race Thompson this year? Race Thompson? I mean, Race we Thompson's- haven't seen anything of Race Thompson. So I think he's going to be kind of – do you treat him basically as one? I mean, you obviously have seen him for a year in practice and stuff, but do you treat him almost like one of the freshmen in terms of allocating minutes and he stuff? He could to be a degree, this, but I think yeah. I, I think that Race Thompson's got a little more physicality than some of the freshmen. I mean, you look at a guy like Jake Forrester, who's, you know, obviously we all, we, we kind of saw it who's staring in some practices and stuff, like what kind of athlete he can be. And I, I actually think that he's going to end up being kind of this year's version of Justin Smith off the mm. bench, that sort of athletic spark. But I think that... Race Thompson's not that far behind. Race Thompson's a guy who can – he's a d- decently athletic guy. He can shoot the ball. I mean, he's a pretty versatile guy, and I think he gives you I, – I, I think he can – he's a little more physical than a Jake Forrester. Obviously, he's a, a little bit bigger, at least uh, weight-wise, and he's put on a weight since he's been at IU. So have I. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> they, the, they put on the good kind of freshman 15. Me, not so much. <laughs> um, but but I, I think that Race Thompson's going to be a guy that fits in as – I think he does a lot of the little things right. I think he can. He has an underrated outside shooting game. I think he can give you some offense. He's a physical defender. Um, that's kind of where I see him fitting into the rotation, at least. Yeah, I think all these guys are going to be. You know, their minutes are going to fluctuate each game. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, one game if Thompson's feeling, you know, feeling pretty good, he could play 15, 20 minutes. The next game, maybe not. Maybe he plays five minutes. You know, it just and that could go that way for just about anybody on the team that come that's coming off the bench, not the starters, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'd go out on a limb and say pretty much the only guys who are going to have relatively consistent minutes are going to be Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan. Right. I mean, that's 
conceivably, uh, which which is not really going out on a limb. I think we all right. kind of agree on that. But I think that that I, I kind of think that's where this team is at, just in terms of rotating guys. They've got so many bodies. Um, just looking at this roster, we mentioned obviously the backcourt is probably going to be a strength of this team. Frontcourt depth is an issue to a degree, obviously with Deron Davis coming back from injury, but. Looking at the backcourt, I mean, what sticks out to you guys? I mean, I know for me, looking at Romeo Langford, he's a guy who's six six. He's obviously generally is it going to be a two guard? He can handle the rock. I mean, with that kind of size, he's you know listed six six two fifteen. You know what that counts for? You know, you never know with that kind of stuff. But um, I see him as a guy who can move into a three and maybe a smaller ball, small ball setting. I mean, what do you guys outside of Romeo maybe? What do you guys see from this backcourt in terms of replacing, you know, a guy like Rob Johnson, a Josh Newkirk? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, not, not that you could be like all that much more inconsistent than Josh Newkirk was, right. but you know, I mean, Devontae Green's he's, been about as inconsistent as Josh Newkirk has. Is Devontae Green the so new far. Josh Newkirk? I mean, he could change that though, and I think a lot of it actually rides on that point guard position, and mm-hmm. Green's going to be the kind of the. I mean, you could say he's the main guy at that position right now. I think it'll be kind of by committee between him, Robert Fennessy, uh, Al Durham. I think those guys will all see time there. But, I mean, technically I would imagine Green would be the starter from day one mm-hmm. just because he's the more experienced of the three. And, uh, you know, I think if he takes that next step in his game that everybody's kind of been waiting for, I think everybody thought he was going to take that step between his freshman and sophomore year, and it didn't really happen. He was still inconsistent. His play was fluctuating as much, you know, it was just kind of mind-boggling how inconsistent he was at times. I have a column it coming out like about this. something about this. <laughs> I have a column coming about. out about Devontae Green uh, here in the near future. IDSnews.com. Yes, go read it at IDS. Well, not well, yet. Not right not up. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, it probably will be up. It probably will be. Um, and that's a li- I'm a little harsh on him. I really am in the column, but I think it's just you he's got to take that next step because this point someone's got to take hold of that point guard position and it's his to grab right now so i mean i don't know what it is um that he's going to have to do because he is an extremely talented player i mean really he is, i mean he's got a nice shooting touch he's got really nice hands on both sides of the court um, he's, a, he's an underrated defender, I think. Like you said, underrated. I think, I think he's a good. He's one of those one-on-one. small, kind of scrappy, tenacious type guys. He's too. a good one-on-one defender. I it think. just comes down to decision making. His decision making is just it, it drives me insane sometimes. It really does. But it's because of the talent that drives you so insane because you right. know what he's capable of. Well, exactly. I think it's also worth noting too. Like he's a guy that you know, just looking at his stats, his minutes jumped from fifteen point two a game to twenty two and a half. That's right. basically a fifty percent increase in his minutes. I mean, that's something that you have to grow into to, to some extent. And I think even too, looking at last year's roster, last year's roster was built to win i mean that last year's roster was it was a transition year we talked about it a little bit but like you're learning new schemes on the yeah you're learning yeah you're taking a new system and archie's system is you know based on defense whereas you had tom crean's i don't know if i'd call it high flying offense but um you know tom crean's offensive style minded you know play and i i think that's something that just takes time to grow into but i think you're right i think you make a good point about Devontae green i think that he's uh, he's a guy to me that is kind of when you look at teams that win and you know go far in the NCAA tournament, you throw out Kentucky a couple of years ago in the Anthony Davis team that wins a national title, but 
it's veteran-led teams. It's yep. teams that have those stars. It's the mix of the freshmen and the, the upperclassmen. Indiana has that at least offensively with Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford. But it's also the glue guys, kind of the X Factor uh, yes. types. And, and that's such. Guys. And I, I I hate that word. It's such a buzzword. But um, it, it, but that's kind of what Devonte Green is. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to go out and score twenty-five points. But there are going to be nights where he puts up eighteen points and you know eight assists. I mean, he's the guy who can do that, but he's a guy who needs to, who has to have a command of the offense. And like you said, yeah. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have the talent. I mean, this is a guy who is perfectly capable, especially on the offensive side, and I think definitely even as much on the defensive side and definitely is an underrated defender in, in, in my view. Um, and and I, he needs to control the game. That's what he needs to do, and he hasn't done that yet because, again, it comes down to decision-making. But, I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't take this step, he's going to lose his job. I think Rob. I think Rob Finnessy is going to be an underrated. Uh, is going to be an underratedly right. heading into this season. I think we don't. You don't necessarily know the. You know that Rob Finnessy is going to be the backup point guard. You don't necessarily know how many minutes he's going to play. Obviously, right, just with right. everything in flux. But I think he could end up being a really, really big piece down the stretch. Instead of glue guys, can we use the term paste people? No, <laughs> I hate that. That was pretty good. That was really. I. I, that I like kind of funny. I like. I like, I like where your head's at, but I'm like really uncomfy after hearing <laughs> that. So I'm also. I'm also. A big proponent of the word uncomfy. I think it's. A, I think it's a great descriptor. Yeah, try great use, adjective. Try using that in a story this year. See how long it takes to get it. Do you think out. that? Do you think that'll go through management? I don't think it'll get through me. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the guards and you know kind of the important pieces. Like we know Romeo is going to start. We know Romeo is going to get his. And obviously with a freshman player, you, you want to see some kind of him trying to like. Hit, you want him to understand and pick it up right away. You don't want him to go through the ups and downs as much as another freshman, but he's probably going to. I mean, he's a young player, adjusting the life in the Big Ten. It's going to happen. I think Al Durham is a fascinating case study for this year. I agree. He's, he sticks out to me as one of the most intriguing pieces on this roster. Right, because we talk about Devontae Green and him you know, kind of taking the next step, getting over those inconsistencies, getting over those really boneheaded mistakes. I think we all remember the <laughs> Illinois road game from last year. Don't remind me. <laughs> In the missile of the pass. I, um, think, I, I think I saw I PTSD watched, from that. I had world. to rewatch that game for the, for column, the column, and I think I puked a little bit. Right. Yep. Like that. Tom, like Tom Allen after special teams for yep. football. But when you look at <laughs> when you look at Al Durham, a guy who averaged I think what eighteen point eight minutes per game last year, about five points, thirty nine total assists, nine starts in thirty one games. You have to expect his workload is going to increase this year. And I think of all the guys here, you know, wanting to take that next step, or you maybe going to get elevated minutes and playing him. I think he's the best suited. He seems to have the calmest head and seems to have the most, you know, kind of in control and self-confidence with his game to where I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed by having maybe a doubling of his minutes or a doubling of his workload expectation on the court. And I know it's e it's easy for us to magnify sort of offense more so than defense because, you know, you have the stats to back it up a little right. bit more. But I, I think Durham, too, has as much offensive upside as anyone in that backcourt, too. I mean, you look at what he I, – I know, you know, looking at his splits from last year – um, he had back-to-back double-digit games against Howard and Seton Hall. He went for 16 and 10. And then, I mean, you know, the Howard. Don't get me wrong. Howard's not anything to write home about. But you know, 10 points against a pretty solid Seton Hall team that went to the NCAA tournament last year. Um, I, that he's got the scoring touch, and I think, um, and even throwing the late late-season game, he had 14 against Illinois. So he he's got more offensive upside than I think people realize, and I think he. Something that re I really like about Al Durham is that he gets to the rack. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he's kind of one. Of, I think one of you guys used the word tenacious, and I think that's a really good word for it. I think he's really just a dogged, like 
rough and tough bas- Big Ten basketball player. He gets himself to the hoop. He's not necessarily the biggest guy, but he is determined to get to the hoop every time. And he he really and he's got some quickness, some explosiveness that maybe you wouldn't necessarily expect from a guy his size, his weight. I mean, he he's got some real offensive upside, and I I'll be interested to see how he fits in, just because he's almost. He's not a huge guy, like I said. He's he's six four, one seventy five, but that's I don't know. I, that seems a little generous to me, at least. And he's not. I don't. I don't see him playing a ton of minutes at the two, just because of what Romeo Langford is. Um, it, I, you could almost run him as like a, you, you know, you could throw Romeo at the point guard and put Durham on the two, something like that. Even even Al Durham ran a little bit of point guard last year. Yeah. You throw in Rob Finnessy, so that gets a little more clouded this year, but. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm intrigued to see how Archie Miller uses him because I think he has the versatility to play both guard spots. It just sort of it almost depends more on who's next to him than him actually being on the court. So who do you think gets the starting point guard position then? Devontae Green. At the beginning of the year. Yeah. Devontae Green. I think, you, I think you have to default to him, but as you kind of brought up maybe 15, 20 minutes ago on this podcast, how long a leash are those yeah. guys coming back from last year going It's not long. At, well, and like we said, like this team's got depth out the wazoo. It's, right. They've really uh, – I hate so that did, I just said that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm already regretting that one. But, Shout um, out Pullman, game day. Oh, big, go Cougs. Go Cougs. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that you have to go with Devontae Green. I think that's kind of the it's kind of a cop out, but I think that's kind of what's going to end up happening. So does he hold that job? I think so. I I, I think he does. I, I think he does. I think he's got a real shot at holding it down. I think people. I think Archie Miller expects him to take a leap. Archie Archie talked about how he was the player that impressed him most in offseason practices, right. and that he's been one of the hardest working, one of the most improved players. Um, over the course of the offseason. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. You never really know with right. that kind of stuff. But, it's serious, it's serious. I mean, I think there's some merit to that. Part um, of that works into your schedule, too. I mean, it's not like you have a long list of cupcake teams. Like, yeah, you got Chicago State and Montana State to start, but then all of a sudden you're home against Marquette and at Arkansas. I could see if, you know, someone like Devontae Green has two poor games against some decent teams in Marquette and Arkansas, you could see that switch happening right before they go back into, like, a little mini cupcake period with UTA and UC Davis before that big Duke game on November 27th. Yeah, this team's going to grow up in a hurry. Yeah. Um, but while we're at it, let's take a quick break and uh, let's get a word from our sponsors here. We'll be back in a minute. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. All right, we are back here with the Indiana Daily Student IU Men's Basketball Podcast. Ben Portnoy here alongside Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond. Guys, let's jump back into it. Uh, Let's talk schedule. Uh, We've got... Few, about a week, two week, two weeks now till uh, till the first game, September, November sixth, rather against Chicago State. Uh, let's 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 talk outlook. Let's talk big picture with this team. Cam, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I think Chicago State's gonna be a real tough opponent for them to start off with. <laughs> let's not. How the, dare you? The pride of the Western Athletic Conference from Chicago, Illinois. Mark Titus should have got the coaching job. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> I really, in a quick sidebar, I really kind of hate that they're playing Chicago State. But I know Chicago no, State needs the money, but I just kind of hate that they're playing Chicago State. The fact, honestly, Chicago State should not be a Division One school, right? For reasons other than just that they're really bad at when sports. I, when I was in high school in the uh, Greater Chicago area, Naperville. we played. 
Nah, Winnetka. Uh, but uh, good thing. try. So you're right. It is the same thing. <laughs> we uh, New Trier, uh, the pride of the CSL. <laughs> uh, we uh, played it. Played our uh, Elite Eight game in the state tournament against Chicago at Chicago State against the Jabari Parker Simeon team. Really, only team to keep them on him to lose by less than ten. That's probably the most the fans I've ever been in the Chicago State basketball arena. Honestly, I, 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 guarantee I actually don't think you're not that far off. I've watched some Chicago State women's games just because it's been streaming on Facebook because of like some Western Athletic Conference agreement. And I like watching UTRGV, the Texas Rio Grande Valley Rio Grande Valley Vipers. That's one of the best names in college. Their basketball uh, stadium is sponsored by Church's Chicken, so that's just why I watch them. But yeah, the UTRGV Vipers women's games against Chicago State's women's games at Chicago State usually don't draw more than 15 people. You have no life. Correct. You have zero life. <laughs> anyway, Unbelievable. looking at the schedule, um, so we have like, I don't know if you want to call it like actual tournaments. I mean, you, they call whatever they're, call, they're playing Montana State, the Hardwood Showcase, Marquette's the Gavit Tip-Off Games. Marquette game's going to be an interesting one. That's a very interesting game. Marquette got, I think, third in the Big East preseason. They're a like, fringe top 25 polls. team. They're yeah. right at, they're what, I think they were, I think I saw them ranked at 26 or 27, right-handed at Indiana at 28. That's not a super sexy game in terms of like, if you had to play a Big East team, it's not, you know, a brand name, it's not a Georgetown, it's not even a road game. Like, a good at, game though. like at Seton Hall last year, but it's going to be a very good game, you're right. I think we're going to learn so much about this team from the November 18th matchup at Arkansas, though. That is going to be a real measuring stick game, especially it being only their fourth regular season game where you figure out not necessarily if this team is legit or not because obviously a team can develop and mold and gel as the season goes on. But that's definitely a game where you figure out, okay, is this Indiana team instantly ready for all of the you know hype and pomp and circumstance and maybe even a top 25 ranking that's going to come from it? Or is this a team that's going to take maybe until – Big Ten play starts out in the beginning of December to really start firing off. So I don't, I don't know if a top twenty-five ranking comes out of that Arkansas win. Just I think so. I don't know. I, I thought Arkansas. If, if they go four and zero and beat Marquette, I think they're they're into the top. Yeah, assuming, think assuming they beat Marquette and Arkansas, assuming that they're undefeated past okay, the Arkansas yeah, I game, I can maybe yeah. see that. I mean, it, it depends on how the other teams shake out. Of and course, Indiana's already kind of on the fringe of a top twenty-five ranking. Anyway. I'm a little, are you okay. surprised that they weren't in the top twenty-five? Yes, because I think Frank. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, I would say this. I think that kind of. Like I was reading a national media thing the other day, whatever it was. It was kind of one of, the, and I think Indiana came in at twenty three or twenty three, which was which CBS I, Sports one. I think yeah, it was the CBS yeah. Sports one, and I, I know Zach Osterman picked Indy Star, friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> pick he was he came in at number he put Indiana at number twenty two in his AP ballot. Yeah, um, and they finished out at twenty eight, I believe. They finished out at twenty eight, but I think that uh, and the CBS Sports poll said twenty three, and one of the things that they said, I'm not sure how deep this team was. You know, it's not a knock on the national media, but I think that but like, but I, but, know. but like, <laughs> but not even that. I think that just like, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around this team because I think you do have so many new pieces, and just yeah. getting them to gel is a whole separate issue in itself. Like more than just putting, more than putting points on the board, it's just figuring out how to create a cohesive right. unit out there because you really do have so many guys who can play. And, and I you think, can't really lean on anything from last year. Being right. I mean, like, oh, I mean, you know Juwan good. Morgan's going to average 15 points and 8 rebounds. Like, that's right. a given. Juwan's going to get his. That's, that's one thing. But, like, outside of that, you really don't know what you're getting. So I, I think that there's some trepidation with the the te- the IU team just because of kind of the fa- the – the way this roster is constructed and that you have a lot of young guys, you have guys who are stepping into bigger roles and you really don't know what you're going to get. And that kind of uncertainty <laughs> leads people to be a little more pessimistic. Um, but in terms of jumping onto the the, the schedule, I mean, I, I Arkansas, I mean, that's a hell of a game to have as your first road game. Right. right. Um, I mean, like we said, this is a young team. That's going to be their first real road game against an 
a like solid SEC team and an yeah. SEC that's probably going to. I mean, I could see them getting four, five, six teams into the NCAA tournament yeah. this year. This is a good, this this, a really good. SEC. This is a better SEC than we've had in a couple of years. I mean, Kentucky, Vanderbilt are both going to be good. Tennessee is going to be a top ten team all yeah. year. Uh, Arkansas is probably going to be somewhere around the bubble, could be floating around for an NCAA bid. There will be a Thanksgiving break game for Arkansas at Bud Walton Arena, so maybe the crowd is turned down just a, just a notch, right. but it still doesn't matter that much. That's still going on the road to Fayetteville. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of a it's a team that's that is really solid, and I think it's a really good measuring stick, and it comes off the Marquette game, so you know it, it, right. <laughs> it it's. I don't want to call the Marquette game a trap game because that's not it. Because I think Indiana is going to get up for it. It's their big, their first oh, yeah. big home game of the year. It's gonna it's gonna be loud in Assembly Hall. It's not Duke, but it's Marquette's a good team. Right. Um, like we said, they're a fringe top twenty five team. I, you throw that into the fact that you then have Arkansas on the road. What is it? Four days later. I mean, yeah, Wednesday to Sunday turnaround. <laughs> that's that's a quick turnaround to get on the road. And Fayetteville isn't close. So I, it's um. We looked at it. We tried to travel to it. It's not. We're close. not going. It's it's, it's not <laughs> happening. But um, no. This that's that is a really in, interesting and just kind of weird two game set to have yeah. right at the front end. With of your no, with third and fourth games of the year to right. break it up. I mean, you've got an exhibition in Southern Indiana. Uh, who's better uh, than Chicago? Who's State. probably better than <laughs> and Chicago? And probably State. Montana State. And probably Montana State. So, <laughs> so you've got games, essentially three exhibition games before you hit Marquette. We and haven't Arkansas. talked about how Southern Indiana's nickname is the Screaming Eagles. Not just the Eagles, the Screaming Eagles. I like that. Can Eagles even scream? Uh, you know what? Yeah. Cam, these are minor details that don't matter. It's a great. <laughs> they mascot. can scream. I, I like it. But then also like. Yes, you. But <laughs> this non-conference schedule does Indiana no favors because UT Arlington's not a bad team. They uh, won the, what? The moving Mavericks. I mean, they won what twenty-five games last year. Yeah, I mean, if they had messed up the uh, Sun Belt tournament, they would have been. They would have right. been an NCAA tournament team. But I they would have been one of those you know real sexy underdog upset. Yeah, picks like in the thirteen, fourteen seed, twelve, thirteen, fourteen seed picks. I mean, right. UT Arlington was a good team last year. I think they, if I remember right, they lost some guys. They had a pretty senior-heavy team, but yeah. still, that's a team that returns that a good mid-major program. A good mid-major program, and UC Davis is you know. Whatever it's UC Davis. Look at this stretch, <laughs> but, but but then you th- but then you go into Duke. Yeah. And you get the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You get your first your t- first two pe- Big Ten games against Penn, Northwestern Penn State. And then you go to play f- and then you freaking play Louisville, Louisville here in Bloomington and Butler, and Butler in the that, Crossroads Classic. That stretch November twenty seventh to December fifteenth at Duke home yep. Northwestern at Penn State home Louisville. And then neutral site Indianapolis Butler for the Crossroads Classic. I, like that's brutal. That, that is just brutal. I mean honestly, like if it, I really think that like a successful non conference game non-conference schedule for Indiana is going to yeah. look like they win the games they're supposed to against a, whatever Chicago State, Montana State, UT Arlington, UC Davis. If they win kind of if they come out of Butler, Louisville, Duke and uh, and State Northwestern. I, oh, no, sorry, not even that. I think sorry. I think you take like Butler, Louisville, Duke, Marquette, Arkansas, take those 5 games. If they come out of that at like 3, three and, and two, 2, 2 and 3, that's not a bad measuring stick. I mean, frankly, three and two would, yeah, I, three, like I think three and two, three and two is kind of a successful run at that. I mean, Louisville's still kind of figuring their stuff out. Obviously, it's uh, I think they'll be first, first year head coach. I think Louisville's still down for what 
down constitutes at Louisville. That's a home game, and you almost beat them on the road last year. Right. You had, I, so you Butler, probably should I think they probably win that game, but I think it'll be a little bit tighter just because it's a it's a sort of pseudo rivalry game. Butler's an interesting game because Butler they, is going to be good this year. They're they've be, lost a few guys though. They lost some guys, but you know, Keelan Martin's back. I mean, right. they, they they're going to be they're going to be good. They're going to compete a, in the Big East I'm out just, there. I'm just kind of excited for Indiana's best like hyped up win in all the stat packages we get for the whole season to not be the one crossroads classic win against Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. It just it'll it, it'll be interesting and like even Marquette Arkansas like I think Marquette's going to be a top 25 team this year that's another Big East team you throw on the schedule and it, the Big East isn't going to be it's going to be good I mean everyone's going to be chasing Villanova again but they're not going to be bad um I mean those teams are always that sort of range of like six top like two to six in the Big East frankly is like there's not that much separation between those teams right. they're all pretty solid basketball programs and they're all kind of fringe top 25 teams at least um what I mean the, what should their yeah. expectations be for this Duke game like, let's, I think this, they can I, I, challenge them. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think this Duke team's a Final Four team. I mean, they're that yeah. good. They've got, I mean, with what they have on paper, it is scary. Right. Um, so I. They looked pretty good against Virginia Union the other night in an exhibition. So. Uh, alma mater of Ben Wallace. Yeah. Virginia hey, Union. You know what? That is a great factoid, and I love that you grabbed that because growing up, Ben Wallace was one of my favorite players for absolutely no reason. He was a legend. Loved the Detroit Pistons as a Wait, kid. Hold on. Ben Wallace, like Afro Ben Wallace. Afro Ben Wallace. Went to Virginia, Virginia Union. Union. The pride and joy of Virginia Union, Absolutely. Ben Wallace. Absolutely. Goodness gracious. He was Malice in the Palace. Although people in this state don't take too kindly to Ben Ben Wallace, you know, Malice oh, in the Palace. I forgot that was that. the Pacers. I forgot the Pacers. I forget the Pacers are in Indiana sometimes. Ben Wallace kind of started that fight, actually. Yeah, I mean, well, Ron Artest started the fight, and then Ben Wallace right. helped. Uh, Ron Artest finished that fight. <laughs> Ron Artest, yeah. Ron Artest called game. Um <laughs> To, to use Paul Pierce's words, shout out, uh, shout out, Wizards. Um, let's skip into the, let's get to no, let's, let's get to the future. Let's go to 2019 now, when it's only Big Ten games for Indiana. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, they closed non-conference play after that Butler game with Central Arkansas and Jacksonville, That's, which like right. Real quick, we're not foreseeing. I mean, you can't foresee this because it's literally the unforeseeable. But there actually, I don't think is a team on the schedule this year that could do the Fort Wayne. I, I, UT I don't Arlington think, could. UT Arlington's. I think they could. They lose some guys though. I mean, they they had a really senior heavy team. But they're last the most year. likely. They're the most likely. They're the most likely. Okay. But I think they're really. You look at. You, I wouldn't expect. I, that, yeah, I think that the teams that Indiana has that are non-power five teams are teams that they expect to handle partially because of how tough the power five teams right. they play are and like yes you don't have a bunch of you know you don't have like a kansas or a another top a top 10 team outside right. of say like um outside of duke but you those are the kinds of wins that age well kind of a marquette and arkansas uh, like a good cheese uh, butler, a louisville, louisville butler like i mean i would i would frankly probably expect butler to be a top 25 team by the end of the season i, I mean the big the big east is going to be good this year or at least solid it's not quite what it was maybe last year the last two years but it's going to be solid i think arkansas is i may be reading into it too much but i think the sec is going to be really good and i think arkansas could pull off a few wins there just based on who they're going to play i mean vanderbilt's got as good it's got the best recruiting class in school history that's going to be a team that bounces back (coughs) excuse me like i said tennessee kentucky those teams are going to be what they are (coughs) but um yeah i mean i i like you said i had to make a Long answer to a short question. I don't see them losing to any of those other sort of non-Power 5 teams. Yeah. I feel like with those non-conference games, those big ones we're talking about, Marquette, Louisville, Butler, all those, yeah. you have they're kind of in those two sections there. You have you have Marquette and Arkansas back-to-back, and then you have Louisville and Butler back-to-back. I feel like you need to win. And then Duke's at, just kind of out there in the stratosphere. You need to win at least one of those each time. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, those that's two like, game stats. Yes, yes, I agree. I feel like those are. I agree. Whichever games they are, they're must wins. You have to win at least one of those two and both of those. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good way to look at it. Right. Um, Looking at that 2019 or the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, let's schedule. jump into that. Here's the pro. Like, here's the problem with it. I'm looking at some like isolated dates. January 6th, January 11th at Michigan at Maryland back to back. Jan 19th and Jan 22nd at Purdue at Northwestern back to back. January 30th and February 2nd at Rutgers at Michigan State back to back. Um, that's not ideal. That, I mean, Rutgers is Rutgers, not, but, but those back to backs are not ideal. Yeah, and Maryland's Maryland's going to be solid, especially Michigan. I mean, okay, the Michigan I, Maryland's uh, uh, Maryland's tough. That's that's, that's tough probably one. your toughest two game stretch, and then you go and play home against Nebraska, who frankly is probably going to be one of the probably yeah. top six teams in the Big Ten. Nebraska's a real enigma every year. Nebraska's an enigma, but this is a team this that's got some talent. They've got some talent there. Palmer's at the, back. The, Palmer's back. They've got some talent at the shooting guard position. Tim Miles is kind of a make or break year Watson's for him. Um, I, I think this is a Nebraska team. They could, this is this kind of kind of what they had with the Tehran Petway a few years ago. I think this is a this is a team that could contend for a uh, contend for a uh, NCAA tournament slot. Um, that said, I think I think I think I will preface this with the Big Ten is the Big Ten is gonna be slightly down from what it was last year. I think I think Michigan State's legit, and I think after that you've got question marks. Right. I think Michigan's, you know, Charles Matthews is back, but you lose Mo, Mo Wagner. That's kind of the identity of your team, stuff like that. Um, the same with Indiana. There's a lot of uncertainty. Purdue, you have Carson Edwards. Outside of that, mm-hmm. what else? Nebraska, uh, you never know. Nebraska, you never know. Maryland. Maryland's replacing things. I think Ohio State kind of had a one-off year last year in Holtman's year. I think Illinois is going to be a bit better, but I still think not like in that top six. Yeah, I think, I think. Oh, I'll oh, tell you, the team that will be a lot better will be Wisconsin. Wisconsin's yes. going to be a lot better. I think Ethan Happ's going to have a big senior year. It's, you got to watch it, out for them. It's his you know, 18th year of eligibility. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but I will say, like, I think this is a Big Ten that's not necessarily as good as it's been. So if, if Indiana can get through that non conference slate and pick up a few marquee wins, I think they're going to put themselves in good shape. I think they're going to end up probably, they're, they're going to pick up some wins in Big Ten play. I think that the, the Big Ten's not as good as it was last year. You don't have a Purdue that's sitting there as like a potential Final Four team, even in Michigan right. State, too. Um, I, yes, Michigan made the national championship last year, but like, I'm not going to kid myself and say that Michigan's going back to the national title. Like they, re- they have to re- replace a lot, no right. matter how good Charles Matthews is. Four of IU's last six Big Ten conference games are going to be Purdue at Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Then they close out with two kind of easier games at Illinois and home against Rutgers. And but those first four games, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, those are going to be some real important games to close the season with. Yeah, right. that's a tough stretch because I think I think I think Wisconsin. I mean, I think Michigan State. Uh, I mean, we'll make predictions later, but I, I do think Michigan State's going to win the conference this year. Um, yes. I, I think Wisconsin's going to be a top five team in the conference, top four team. Um, Iowa's going to be better in the sense that Fran McCaffrey expected a lot more out of his team last year. Right. They probably kind of tended, expected to be more of a bubble team. They weren't. They were terrible. They won, what, 14 games? Um, Iowa's going to be at least, I think they live out to expectations at least to some degree, to to some extent this year. Uh, um, I think we're about to get kicked out of the podcast. But yeah, so, so, so let's go do predictions now. Then just kind of round the horn, Ben. You start. What, what are we doing? Predictions for ceiling for Indiana basketball this year. Let's take a big picture look. Let's assume they make the NCAA tournament. What do you, are they going to win? Like position in the Big Ten, NCAA tournament run, that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm going to say Indiana finishes. I'm going to say Indiana finishes third in the Big Ten, and I think they make the Sweet Sixteen. I think I, I really think they've got that much talent. I think that this is a team that. I think in a weird way, this team is built to win based on the fact that I think they're going to peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. You've got so many young pieces that I think they're going to they're going to pull it all together kind of at the la- as they flow. I think that 
stretch you mentioned, the Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, that could be a crucial stretch in getting sort of getting everything straight before the Big Ten tournament, whatever happens there. You know, whatever they lost to Rutgers last year, so God. Um, but but I think that's kind of the stretch that will sort of set this team on its course, and I I, I really do think I I see them as kind of a number four five seed. Number four, I think yep. a number four seed's realistic, but I think they make a real shot run at the big Sweet Sixteen. I think that, and then whatever happens after that, it's you know gravy. That's what I was thinking too. Third in the Big Ten, Sweet Sixteen appearance. I think that's very doable. Um, I think they could even go higher than that. I think they could finish second in the Big Ten. I think they could even maybe take you know make a run to the Elite Eight or something like that. Um, th- there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of opportunity, and it's just going to be a matter of can they get it all together. Uh, can they develop in time for the tournament? Can they get those big wins in the conference and non-conference? And uh, you know, we'll see. I think they can do it, but yeah, it's I'll, still up in the air. Obviously, I'll say ditto to both you guys. I think Elite Eight is going to be an incredibly good year for Indiana. Yeah. I think anything in the top four in the Big Ten should be considered a success. And then maybe, hey, you can. I doubt you latch on a Romeo for another year, but you at least have a solid base, much better than you had last year to operate on for 2019, 2020. Yeah, I mean, you look at Rob Finnessy and those guys, they're going to be four year, three, four-year guys. They've got some talent there. Exactly. So. All right, that'll close it out for uh, the Indiana Daily Student, Indiana Men's Basketball Podcast, presented by TIS College Bookstore. For Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond, I'm Ben Portnoy. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon.